Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey there. All right, then. And uh, today we're going to start off the way we've started off several podcasts recently with a little listener mail. Yeah. And this listener mail comes from Crystal. Crystal says, augmented reality. What in the world is it? Thank you, Crystal, for that very concise listener mail. <laughs> she probably figured you'd make up another paragraph or so. Uh, yeah. Considering some, we'd... we've received some, some novellas recently. Yeah, that's true. They're, they've been excellent, guys. We love them. Uh, don't, don't take that as a dig, cause I think that's awesome that you guys take so much effort to write us listener mail. And Long... Crystal, that's awesome that you were able to sum it up in one sentence. Long or short, we love the listener mail. Yeah, you're all awesome. So anyway. Augmented reality. Augmented reality. What in the world is it? You know what? I didn't really know either. Um, I, I knew I knew just the barest minimum of what it was. Yeah, we can give you like the 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 bird's eye definition of augmented reality. The real idea here is that you are overlaying some sort of information on top of our perception of the world around us in real time. Yes, we're not talking about virtual reality in which you replace the real reality with a virtual substitute yes. and uh, you know see if you're. Uh, coffee drinkers can tell the difference. Right. The, uh, but the worlds of augmented reality and virtual reality do have a lot of overlap. There's mm-hmm. a lot of technology that, um, that belongs in both realms, uh, including things like head mounted displays often are used in both augmented reality and virtual reality applications. Yes. Except in, in virtual reality, um, the glasses that you wear Replace. You don't really actually see anything but this virtual world. Right. And in augmented reality, you do see the virtual world with other information layered on top of it. You mean the real world? I'm sorry. You're right. You see the real world with other information layered on top of it. Right. If it were the virtual world with other information layered on top of it, it would be be augmented virtual reality. Ooh, can we invent that? Patent pending. All right. No one else out there grab it. That's us. All (laughs) us. All us. Yes. So augmented reality, uh, (laughs) you know, ideally what you would have is some sort of system where you could look at, say, a building and you would have information pop up that might give you things like the address of the building that you're looking at, Mm -hmm. uh, any businesses that are located within that building. If, for example, you were looking at a restaurant, you might see reviews pop up. And you could see what kind of food that restaurant serves without having to actually go up there and look at a menu. Or if they had really poor reviews, then you could think, oh, well, let's just skip that and find something else. Um, and I mean, that's just a very basic application. There are l- unlimited applications for augmented reality. Sure. I mean, you know, it's not you could you could use it for something like that. You can use it for business purposes. Uh, maybe you're on a, a business trip and you need information like that. Um Sad to say, you could also use it for military purposes. Actually, the military is already using this technology. Hmm. It's in a lot of uh, visor displays for jet pilots, for example, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that they are coupling the the helmet technology with augmented reality so that you can do things like track uh, other 
other aircraft. You can look at targets, things like that. Like a heads-up display. Yes, an HUD. Yeah. Heads-up display. They've actually had that for quite some time. Yeah, it's been around for a while. Now, that's not unusual. Uh, just like virtual reality, augmented reality has a lot to uh, – uh, a lot to, to owe the military establishment. Mm-hmm. Um, military applications have fed the research and development of this kind of technology for years, just like with virtual reality. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense because when you really think about it, you got to think with any research project, there's one thing all research projects need no matter what the project is. Mm-hmm. Money. Yes. The money has to come from somewhere. And – Academic research institutions, they have a limited a budget. You know, they have a limited amount of money that they mm-hmm. can, they can dole out to any particular department. Um, and all of them are vying for that same pool of cash. And, uh, and so there's a very limited amount of money you can get for, for pure research, mm-hmm. you know, research for research sake. Right. Um, you're more likely to see money come in from any sort of practical application. So things like the military where, Practical application can mean the difference between losing and winning a conflict or saving hundreds of people's lives. Uh, that's obviously going to take a larger priority than just a, a important but kind of esoteric academic project. Right. Um, you, you would also probably see it in corporate, uh, functions as well. Things that, things where companies think they can make some money off of an augmented reality application, mm-hmm. whether that's something that's in a car, like perhaps you were able to create a screen within your car so that as you're driving down the street, a little display will, can tell you things uh, uh, that, that are coming up, like where the next gas station is. That's funny you would mention that. How, because how I that was funny? I was thinking of Dash. Yeah? Yeah. That's a good example. Um, Dash is, is a company that was recently acquired by Research in Motion, uh, whom you might be aware made the BlackBerry. Um, at, when they started out, they were making a very sophisticated and also very large GPS device called the Dash Express. Um, and, uh, John Fuller wrote an excellent article about it on the website. Unfortunately, he also wrote it the very same week that Dash announced that it, they weren't going to make hardware anymore. And <laughs> we had to edit the article before it went live. Um, but, uh, basically the technology combines GPS and, um, information about that area so that you can be driving along the street and say, man, I could really use a cup of coffee right now. And it will tell you, well, hey, there's a McDonald's on your left. There's a Starbucks on the right, a couple blocks down the street, around the corner. There's a local coffee shop. Um, or you could say, I'm looking for a gas station. And it's it will give you that information in real time. Also, traffic information. Right. So that kind of inf- – but that's not um, – at least the Dash Express wasn't showing you in a heads-up display like you might see a fighter pilot might use. Although I know that they have dabbled with uh, – uh, heads up displays in cars for again years. Right. You just don't see an awful lot of them. Yeah. The, the closest thing you tend to see in cars these days are things like, um, uh, uh, night vision applications where you can, you can have suddenly the, the windshield turns into like a screen with night vision so that you can see in infrared or mm-hmm. ultraviolet as opposed to using headlights, uh, which I guess would be very useful for law enforcement officers. Sure. Um, be kind of scary for anyone else if they don't have their headlights on. <laughs> but, uh, so that, that's one kind of application there. But of course there, that's, that's more night vision. That's not really augmented reality because mm-hmm. you're not really adding any information to the display. Sure. And, uh, and in a lot of ways, augmented reality has kind of shifted to the mobile device market. Mm-hmm. Now, 
in the traditional idea of what augmented reality would be, uh, it was much more kind of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Like the idea was that you would have oh, a, sure. like a pair of glasses that you'd put on and those glasses, you know, they look like stylish sunglasses. So you're mm-hmm. just, you know, hitting the, the town and being a Hollywood schmooze. Um, but oh, you're really schmooze. looking around and you're seeing different, you know, facts and figures about the, the area around you. It's mm-hmm. just that it's on a screen that's, you know, transparent. So you can look through the information. Um, so you're not blinded. Cause I mean, that's obviously an important element in augmented reality. You gotta have it so that the information is there if you want to read it, but it's also possible for you to ignore it and look at the real world. Otherwise, you may not be able to react when someone's throwing a punch at you because you're a Hollywood schmooze. <laughs> nice. And they will. Because, you know, if my nose could tell you stories, but the, the other uh, elements that, that have to be in place here, you mm. have to have certain things to, to allow an augmented reality system to work. All right. You have to have some sort of tracking system. Uh-huh. So it has to know where you are looking. Otherwise it can't display the relevant information. Right. Uh, it has to have some sort of video or feed or graphics generation so that it can create the things that you're going to be looking at. And it has to have some sort of database of information to draw upon to to populate the fields so when you're looking around, it's actually giving you information you need. Yeah, you know, so, so you don't actually need a sophisticated piece of eyewear to do this with or no. know, a camera on top of your head. No, you although you, you although could do early, that. And early systems, you know, and some, I imagine, quite expensive systems – do have that. Yeah, if you look at early augment, augmented reality systems, they tend to look like really big rigs with a b- huge head-mounted display. And, you know, it's it's meant to be portable because it doesn't do you much good to have a, a fixed augmented reality station. You can't, you know, you just be able to look at the stuff that's immediately around you and that's it. But the problem is that, you know, carrying all that around, the power supply, all the cables and everything, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. Yeah. So the mobile device market, really makes a lot more sense to me. For one thing, it takes away that that fear that suddenly you're going to, you know, be focusing on the information in your glasses as opposed to the oncoming car. Yeah. You know, that's a to me that's a legitimate thing to worry about because I mean, I know that I don't know about you, but I've been walking down the street before looking at my phone reading Twitter messages and then suddenly realized that I was about to walk into a telephone pole. Yeah, you know, uh, there is actually an iPhone application that uses the camera on the other side of the phone, um, and it will show you what's on the other side of your phone as you are working on it. Now, this is a problem for me because I have an iPod Touch, which has no camera. Right. So you're still, so you're still, still blind. Stuck. Yeah. Now, so the nice thing about the, uh, the mobile devices is that you, you can take one element completely out of the uh, the whole augmented reality issue, which is oh, yeah? the idea that you no longer necessarily need that camera. Mm-hmm. You don't need something to be able to look through because you're able to easily, you know, set the mobile device to the side and look around yourself. Um, you, what you do need is something that tells the device where it is mm-hmm. and how it's oriented. So it has to have some sort of accelerometer so it knows which way it's facing it has that, or, or which way it's, you know, facing in the sense of, is it, is it portrait or landscape mode? You have to have some sort of GPS system so it knows the geographic location and you need some sort of compass really to know which direction you're facing at any given time. This is starting to sound like something I'm sort of familiar with actually. How so? Um, basically the smartphone that 
most people have in their pockets these days. The HTC G1? Yes, (laughs) the HTC G1 does have a compass, GPS, and accelerometer. And the iPhone has Uh, these things. That that also ran, also has the... Willing to bet without seeing a whole lot of additional detail that Rim might have a reason for wanting to acquire Dash. Yeah. Yeah, the iPhone 3, we should say, has the compass. Yes, that's true. That's true. So, But um, I mean, the, more and more smartphones are starting to have these things built in. And uh, you may already have the makings of at least a basic augmented reality in your pocket right now. Um, wow. Well, you happen to. But yeah, I do. I, I don't. So, um, yeah, there's actually an application right now for the iPhone that you can get that uses an augmented reality application. Well, I think there are many that there's several. do, but – There's one that made the news recently. Right, but they're, they do it in varying degrees. Right. The one I'm talking about is Yelp. And oh, the, yeah. And the interesting thing to me is that the augmented reality function was a hidden feature. Huh. It wasn't designed – you know, it – if you were just using Yelp normally, uh-huh. you wouldn't even know necessarily that it was uh, that it was working. So, let's say you've got Yelp and uh, you're walking down the street, and then you um you shake your phone three times while Yelp is running. It'll activate a secret feature called Monocle, and Monocle will uh, give you a little overlay of the various places that are around you huh. and tell you information about them and. The main thing would be like restaurants and right. and ratings, mm-hmm. obviously. So you could hold your iPhone up and and point it at the uh, the pub that's across the street from you and and read the reviews. And you might see that hey, you know, the staff here is really friendly. They've got live music every night and the food's great. And you think, oh, awesome! I'll walk in and I'll I'll have dinner there. Uh-huh. Or you might see something like uh, the the owner throws profanity at people left and right and occasionally a fight breaks out for no apparent reason and and there's a honky tonk piano player and who's missing some teeth and an eye and you think you know what that doesn't sound like what I want to do tonight or maybe you're thinking hey that sounds exactly what I want to <laughs> do tonight but the point uh, being that the application lets you make those kind of decisions right now that's just a, again another very basic form of augmented reality and it also blends in well with your uh your theory, your conspiracy theory about the iPhone and how they're just encouraging people to make applications that suggest you should shake it. So yeah. will throw it across the room, break it and buy a new one. I call it the, uh, the, the Wii phenomenon, <laughs> the Wii mote phenomenon where, yeah, you, you, you're shaking the phone with all your might because you really want this thing to, work, to give you, yeah. Work. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you've just tossed it 30 feet and it's, then it explodes. As we have seen, you know, I, iPhones and iPods can explode if put under ex, uh, in, incredible pressure. Apple says that's not their fault. Yes, they say it's because of incredible pressure. <laughs> it's I, not, not, a, not case, a design flaw. It's just a way, yeah. No, we're both about to explode. <laughs> we're both Sorry. under incredible pressure. Now, the, um, yeah, so that is part of my th- conspiracy theory that Apple or at least some, some, uh, application developers possibly in league with Apple, <laughs> are trying to destroy iPhones left and right, so you have to go out and buy another one. We or iPod. A, iPod should, touches either. We should totally do a Tech Conspiracy Theories podcast. We've talked about that. We actually have it on the list. Tech Conspiracies is on our list of, of topics to cover. We just haven't hit it yet. So if any of you really want to hear a Tech Conspiracy 
podcast, write us and let us know, and uh, and we'll bump and we'll that have up to the list. Think of a couple more than the yeah. two that we already have. Like the ones that we're inventing as we go along. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe some that actually, actually have exist. other people believing them besides us. I mean, yeah. we might have convinced some people today. Let's get back to augmented reality. We kind of we boy talk about a rat uh, hole. Actually, there are other applications um, that I can think of. Sure, um, uh, around here is one of them. Um, there, there are some that basically will use your information. Uh, even, even iPod, uh, users can find it, uh, because you can, it will use your Wi-Fi information to get a rough idea of where you are. And then it right. can kind of tell, uh, what's going on and, and say, well, you know, if you're looking for a restaurant around here, here's a place you can go. If you're looking for shopping, you know, it doesn't overlay information like, augmented reality like we've been talking about does but it does give you perspective on what's around you and that that does make a difference you sure know, it, it does augment reality in some capacity just not as thoroughly as uh it's not as thoroughly immersive as the other option right and just down the street from us uh there's the georgia tech augmented environments laboratory and they prefer oh, yeah. they prefer augmented environment to augmented reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says because it captures our interest in augmenting the user's perception and emphasizes our focus on the interaction between the user and their environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I can kind of understand that. It's sort of similar to the way virtual reality experts prefer virtual environments now, mm-hmm. because the well, I mean, I, I'm not suggesting that this is why augmented reality changed. You know, why they they are shying away from the term, but mm-hmm. for virtual reality, at any rate, it's because uh, virtual reality got overhyped in the 90s and then kind of collapsed in on itself once the public realized that their perception of what virtual reality was and the reality of what virtual reality was were had a huge gap. Mm-hmm. And once that huge gap was realized, everyone's like, oh, is that all it is? Poof. And interest completely disappeared. So then you had all these virtual reality people saying, you know what? Let's change the name of what we do because it has a stigma on it now. Mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing the same sort of thing applies to some people who have been working in augmented reality because it's a term that's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the neat things, that one of the projects they had that um, I'm actually really curious about is uh, was for uh, Oakland Cemetery's Sunday in the Park event. Uh-huh. Now, Oakland Cemetery is a, a historic cemetery in Atlanta, Georgia, which is where we are. And uh, it's a, a phenomenal cemetery. Actually, suffered severe damage in the tornado that hit us, you know, several months ago. Mm-hmm. Many, many, many months ago. True. Um, and it's sort of, I, I think, it's pretty much recovered from that at this point. But uh, yeah, they had a Sunday in the Park event where the uh, some of the people from the Augmented Environment Lab uh, showed up and had a Voices of Oakland. Um, project where it was an audio only augmented reality experience where you would tour the cemetery and hear stories by a ghost. Wow. So as you, as you move through the cemetery, the appropriate audio would play on its own. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, this is brilliant. I, I would love to see this used again for, for a Halloween ghost tour of Oakland Cemetery. It would be mm-hmm. an amazing, Use of theater and technology. Now, I'm a big theater person, so for me, this is really exciting because I think of it in terms of performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, that's just one small project, but I thought that was really neat that that was the sort of thing they were they were looking at applications that would really get people interested in the technology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, it's just going to be. I think it's going to be one of those things that uh, in fiction, it's going to be a big 
to do. You know, you're going to see it on TV and in the movies and it's going to be all high tech and stuff. But it, in reality, it's going to just trickle out piece yeah. by piece until it can become more of a more affordable. Yeah, you, you, know, you, you kind of see it. Carry right. the technology because I don't think people are going to want to walk around with, you know, special glasses and a big camera on top of their heads. Yeah, the way the way in it's general. the way it's usually shown in television is not with special glasses or anything, but it's always like holograms and things like that. Things that are we're we're still many many years away from perfecting the te- technology necessary to to get even the most basic form of what they're showing as being commonplace in television. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's TV for you, you know. <laughs> I mean, you got to you got to take some liberties. If you were to show the real augmented reality as it stands now, I think a lot of people would just be bored. <laughs> well, right then. Kind of like you are. Yeah, well, no, I'm not bored. I just um I don't really have anything else to add. Okay. Well, point. then I guess that moves us on to our segment of listener mail. Now, this listener mail was sent to us from someone who signed it as London. Now, I could pop... Oh, the whole city? Possibly. Uh, if so, they are very verbose. Um, I could say the name that was on the email, but I'm not gonna because it wasn't in the actual signature, so I'm just going to call this person London, this girl, Lady London, I guess, because she refers to herself as a lassie at one point. Now, London wrote us a very long and thoughtful response to our our podcast on video game systems, and I'm just going to read a section of it, because if I were to do the full letter, it would be a podcast all on its own. Uh Uh-huh. When I was a wee lassie of 17, all my friends had great computers and systems. It was 1997, and my top-level console was a first-generation Nintendo and the old Atari I had from my nanny's house. Now I guess I make up for my childhood poverty with the fact that I have a top-of-the-line Alienware computer and each of the three consoles out at the moment, the Wii, Xbox 360, PS3. Listening to your podcast, I reflected on what I use each system for and thought maybe this would help you too since you were thinking of getting another system. So this I thought I'd share this because our listeners may be thinking the same thing. Right. The Xbox's primary use in our house is as a media center. While the PS3 has the same media center capabilities, the UI and general usability isn't nearly as good. I personally despise the Xbox controller, and in my opinion, no self-respecting gamer can play a fighting game properly on that system. The only game I regularly play on the Xbox at the moment is Geometry Wars Evolved 2, and sometimes a rousing game of Uno. Uh, I'll skip around a little bit. Uh, the PS3 I didn't purchase till earlier this year after the price drop. The reason I ended up getting it is because it is one of the best Blu-ray players on the market. I was a little hesitant because of the lack of backwards compa- compatibility, but I ended up keeping my PS2 and just putting it in the bedroom. Turns out I pretty much never used the PS2. Uh, skipping around a little bit more. Down to the Wii. Excuse me while I turn some pages. <laughs> the Wii we originally got mainly for Wii Sports, Mario Kart, and Rock Band. While they are fun games, I now own Rock Band World Tour for the PS3. Should that itch strike, and I found that now I've got a 360 and PS3, the Wii sits silently and patiently off to the side. I can't honestly remember the last time I turned it on. I do think the Wii is ideal for noob gamers, such as my mother, who still uh, two-finger types. I don't mean that negatively, just as a fact of the matter. First-person shooters should always, in my opinion, be played on a computer. Keyboard plus mouse for life. By the way, a while back I tried to download the Windows 7 preview podcast, yada, 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 everything's mixed up. We are working on that. (laughs) 
I want to respond a little bit to London here. Uh, first of all, I really enjoy your city. Uh, but second of all, um, first, the, the Xbox controller, you know, she said she hated it. Right. I love the Xbox controller. I hate the PlayStation controller. I have very really? long fingers and my hands are cramped when I use a PlayStation controller. I love the PlayStation controller. Oh, no, my, my, after playing for half an hour, my hands feel like they're going to fall off. I, they're just, it's just too small. I like the Xbox controller. That'd now, be a I little like gory. The, I like the second generation original Xbox controller. Are you following me? Uh, yeah. The Xbox controller that came out with the very first Xboxes, that was, that was almost as big as the console. True. That was a little too big for, even for me. But the, the one sort that came like out. It was a balloon. It was enormous. The one that came out after that, I loved. It was the perfect size for my hands. Uh, now. You're not picky or anything, are you? I'm a little. <laughs> but so is she. So she also mentioned that first person shooters should always be played on a computer. Mm-hmm. I have to disagree on that one as well. And the reason for that is that if you're using a mouse and a keyboard, most of the time you're using the mouse with your right hand and you're using that to aim your your weapon mm-hmm. and you're using your left hand to move your character around, to strafe, to move forward, backwards, jump, all that kind of stuff. I'm left-handed. I have never been able to use a left-handed mouse because I've just always had computers that had the right-handed mouse. So mm-hmm. I've been stuck using right-handed mouse, um, which means I can't aim very well. I can't, I don't have that precision with my right hand. So it, it, it's so very, that's why we don't call you dead eye. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm not the person to hand a sniper rifle to in a game on a computer. Uh, the controller helps a lot when I'm playing on a console because a lot of these games have a little bit of an auto aim feature. So it helps you when you're turning your weapon around and you're trying to fire on someone. Now, purists think that's terrible because they'd rather rely on their skill than mm. on some sort of auto aim feature. People like me who are at a disadvantage already in the game appreciate the heck out of the auto aim feature because otherwise we would just spend the entire game getting shot in the head. And you're not a first person shooter player. That's why I didn't ask your opinion. There you go. So, um, I do like those specialized controllers too. Those are really cool. Yeah, I've got one of those. Yeah. I've got the first person that, shooter. That would be an advantage of having the computer. Yeah, I, I actually have a first person so. shooter controller that, um, that I was really, really good at, but I haven't played Xbox in so long that I'd have to relearn how to use it because it's been ages. But, uh, yeah, that was, that, that helped even out the playing field just a little for me. Uh huh. Well, thank you so much, London, for sending that email. And I, I know I did cut quite a bit out, but I, I did read the whole thing, and I greatly appreciate it. And if any of you want to write us, please do. Our email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. If you want to learn more about augmented reality, we have an article about how it will work because we're thinking more about the uh, traditional lines, and you never know what else might pop up about various uh, iPhone apps. You can find all that at HowStuffWorks.com. Crispy and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?